0: Hello, once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Better's Box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Friday, March 26th. I am your host, Adam Burke. Going to talk about the National League West here as we're now six days away from the start of the 2021 Major League Baseball season. Got a few spring training notes for you as well here as we finish out what has been a high quality week of shows on ATS Radio. If you've missed anything, Plenty of time to still check that out. We talked a lot about the Sweet 16, also mixed in some FCS college football stuff. And of course, any edition of the betters box that has taken place here in the month of March still has some shelf life, still has some value for all of our listeners out there. So if you've missed any of those while being more focused on March Madness or something else, pretty good time to get back, check in on those things again as opening day. Just six days away now. I'm very excited. Hopefully you're excited as well. If you're a baseball fan listening to this show, you should be as excited as I am for the start of this upcoming season. Over at ATS.io, my 2021 MLB betting guide. Again, under a week now until the baseball season begins. So I've got team previews for all 30 teams, all the future stuff over there as well. Division, pennant, uh, World Series, player futures, all kinds of good stuff in that guide for you to check out. You can find that over at ats.io or the PDF, very accessible on my Twitter page at skating tripods Or if you want, you can email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com, not only to get a PDF copy of the guide, but also if you want to get on the list for the betters box notes, the notes that I use to record this solo podcast, I do send those out uh, throughout the season on the day of the show. So, If you're driving, if you're at the gym, whatever, you're not able to write down notes. You're not able to consume all of the content because there are a lot of numbers, a lot of analytics involved. You can get on that mailing list for the Better's Box Notes by emailing me skatingtripods at gmail.com. A lot of great content outside of the MLB Betting Guide over at ATS.io. I've got some thoughts on the Sweet 16. We've got continued picks and predictions from a very talented cast of writers. Got a preview for UFC 260 coming up this weekend with that main event between Stipe Miocic and Francis Naganu. So if you want to check out a preview for that, you can do that over at the website as well. Also, a very unique NASCAR race this weekend, the Dirt Race, the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway. First time we've had a Cup Series Dirt Race in well over 50 years. I think it's about 50 years. I think it was 1970 the last time that they had one of those. So you can check out that preview over at ATS.io as well, and over on our ATS YouTube page, Brian Blessing doing some videos for us, including one on that Bristol Dirt race. I've done a bunch of guest spots personally here lately. I did the deep dive podcast with Andy and the Whale uh, on Wednesday night. Did the Roto Wager podcast with Brian Seymour a little uh, about a little over a week ago now. Uh, Brian Blessing, I did some guest spots with him this week on Sportsbook Radio did a spot on VSIN and apparently they'd like to do that a little bit more with some of those guest spots. So if you like hearing my content, keep an eye on my Twitter page, at Skating Tripods, to see the different things that I'll be on or the different things that I've already been on here throughout the course of the week. Finally, I know it's a very long intro here for today's show. Download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store Full article integration from the website, a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database. You could buy a premium model subscription if you want. Lots of very helpful handicapping tools and tricks in that ATS app. So whether you have an Android or an iOS device, download that ATS app today. All right, so we'll start with some spring training notes. And spring training here is winding down, of course. Most teams probably finishing up on Tuesday or so, Monday or Tuesday so that they can fly back to their home cities if they're starting at home or fly out to open things up on the road here. And we'll start with some injury news or some roster news uh, to kick things off here for this edition of the Better's Box. Eloy Jimenez, out five to six months for the Chicago White Sox here, so he will miss effectively almost all of the regular season. Could come back for the playoffs, possibly But the thing is, until he's able to come back, you know, he won't be able to get any reps down in the minor leagues. Now you can spend, I believe it's a month in the minor leagues rehabbing while you're still on the major league injured list. So if Jimenez does heal quickly, that is a possibility. And maybe the White Sox will have him uh, for that stretch run in September or their October appearance if they make one. Look, this is still a really good Chicago offense. Still very deep. Still a lot of power guys, still a lot of guys that make a lot of hard contact, but depth was an issue for this team, and now it's going to be an even greater one where they wanted to really use Adam Eaton in more of a platoon capacity with Adam Angle, but now Eaton maybe has to play every day. Maybe they've got to go out and consider signing Yasiel Puig or something like that. So the White Sox now do have to shift things a little bit, and based on what I've seen here so far, the division odds have shifted slightly with the Twins have closed that gap a little bit at some of the sports books that are out there. The fact of the matter is I thought the twins were a good bet anyway in that plus 150 range. I didn't feel like the White Sox were deserving of being an odds-on favorite to win that division, so I thought the twins were a good bet anyway. Wasn't ready to fire on that one yet, didn't make it, and now, of course, the price a little bit lower with this Aloy Jimenez injury. But watch for cluster injuries. You know, one injury in a vacuum, not that big of a deal. But as you get more injuries, and specifically with a team that doesn't have a lot of major league quality depth, like the Chicago White Sox, that's where you start running into some much bigger issues. Staying in the American League Central Division here, the Tigers have announced that Casey Mize will start the year in the rotation as the number five starter for the Detroit Tigers. And I love it. I love when teams make upside plays like this when they're a bad team. There is no equity. There is no future equity in running Michael Fulmer out there for you know 125 innings as a starter. There's just no value in that. You already know what Michael Fulmer is. So I'm happy to see Casey Mize out there. He'll take his lumps, certainly, but definitely has a lot more upside than a lot of the guys there in that Tigers rotation. So, Not that this changes the projection for the Tigers or anything like that, but simply to say that I am happy to see teams starting to do this in particular because I do think that service time and years of control will be altered with the upcoming CBA negotiations. So I'm definitely happy to see teams getting a little bit more aggressive with their prospects here uh, over the shortened 2020 season and then especially here in 2021. And with that being said, I mean, this could only be a temporary thing because there's no AAA season until the second week of May. So this could be a situation where the Tigers just want Casey Mize to keep throwing and keep throwing in a more competitive environment. And then once May rolls around, they'll send him down, let him throw some lower stress innings. And of course, a lot of teams may end up doing this because they're monitoring their innings workloads for their starting pitchers for this 162-game season coming off of the short year last year. Move over to the American League East for a few minutes here. And we start with the Boston Red Sox. And Eduardo Rodriguez will not be the opening day starter for Boston. He's experiencing a dead arm period. Now, usually these aren't necessarily injury related. Uh, It's not something that you would worry about really long term. But it is always something with Eduardo Rodriguez. He's had some chronic knee issues. He's had some back problems. Now he's got this dead arm thing after missing all of last season because he got COVID-19 and wound up with a case of myocarditis. So this is a situation for Boston that is very tenuous because Rodriguez is already a guy that has missed significant time for a variety of different reasons. Now we get this dead arm period and you really have to wonder here about the durability of Rodriguez once again, after answering some questions in 2019 with a 200 inning season, but also With him missing all of last year, with the importance of this player to this rotation for the Boston Red Sox, I wonder if Rodriguez is brought along a little bit slower here. I didn't really like Boston anyway, but the fact that now we have this concern with Rodriguez uh, does stick out to me quite a bit. Some other news from the American League East here, Nick Anderson of the Tampa Bay Rays, partially torn ligament in his elbow. He will miss at least half the season Surgery has not been recommended as of yet, but obviously we'll see what happens as he kind of goes through the rehab and recovery and strengthening processes and all of that. And this is a big loss for Tampa Bay because the strength of the Tampa Bay team is this bullpen. This starting rotation is equipped to be a five and fly unit. The bullpen will probably lead all of baseball in innings pitched or at least be very close to it, unless there's some team that adopts a lot of openers or something like that. This was the strength of this Rays team. To a degree, it still is, but Anderson's absence does lower the ceiling for this group, a group that was already missing Colin Pochet and Jalen Beeks. So the Rays with cluster injuries in that bullpen to where they planned for the losses of Pochet and Beeks because those are two guys that went down last year, but if they start getting more injuries here in the bullpen, that's what I talk about in terms of cluster injuries and something that could wind up having a pretty significant impact. Last bit of news here is Freddie Peralta in the rotation for the Milwaukee Brewers here. Peralta looking good in spring training. Uh, Seems like maybe they've worked on a third pitch and have kind of developed that with him. But when I look at this Brewers team, the more that this spring training has gone on, the more I've grown to love this team. From a division futures standpoint, I've got that World Series ticket on them already. They're hitting more fly balls in spring training, as I talked about on Monday. The Brewers are really going in a positive direction here. And in a lot of instances, when you talk about spring training, you talk about negatives. You know, you talk about guys being injured. It's usually less about, you know, young players performing well and kind of impressing and more about injuries or guys that aren't hitting. Well, the Brewers have had a very positive spring, in my opinion, I may find myself here as we get closer to the start of the season playing this Brewers season win total over getting a piece of them at the best division price I can find there are a lot of things going in their direction here so far and I do think that this team is on the upswing and does have the highest ceiling and the highest upside in that National League Central Division lastly here what do these final spring training starts mean for pitchers you know, how do we want to interpret these where these guys are getting stretched out a little bit more, they are getting set up, you know, for the start of the season, for that opening day rotation. So what do these last starts mean? Well, here's the thing. I would tell you this. I would be less interested in the results and more interested in things like how the velocity looks. The one result I would take a look at is strikeout and walk ratio. You know, is a guy having major control issues where he's issuing a lot of free passes, working a lot of deep counts, stuff like that. Because if guys don't have their control in order, when they're already being capped at 80, 85 pitches, something like that, that's going to put the onus on the bullpen in those first few starts. So I'm looking for velocity. I want guys to be close to their top end velocity. And I'm also looking at strikeout and walk rates because I want to know that guys are going to be efficient when they go out there and take the mound for their first few starts here in the month of April so I don't I don't really give a damn if a guy gives up seven runs on eight hits or something like that I just want to know that his command is intact, that his control excuse me is intact and by the way real quickly here control to me would be strikeouts and walks command is yeah strikeouts and walks but also not having these bad results against, not giving up a lot of home runs, extra base hits, stuff like that. Look, it's still Florida. It's still Arizona. It's hot. It's warm. Of course, it's humid in Florida, dry in Arizona. The ball carries really well. Things that might be a home run in late March in Arizona and Florida probably won't be a home run in April in a lot of ballparks. So I'm less worried about the stat line and more worried about velocity and then also how a guy's control looks from a strikeout and walk standpoint. So that's what I'd be looking for here in terms of these last few starts over spring training for the guys that, you know, are guaranteed to make the ball club and will take those rotation spots. All right. So the five and fly here for the National League West, five minutes or thereabouts on each of the five teams here in this division an interesting division because it's very top heavy with the Dodgers and the Padres then you've got the Diamondbacks and the Giants with season win totals in that 75 range and the Rockies who are pulling up the rear in this division so let's go ahead and start the five and fly here with the Arizona Diamondbacks their season win total in that 74 and a half 75 and a half range right now and I will say this and you know this is maybe to my detriment getting the MLB betting guide out as far in advance as I do. But that MLB betting guide here, you know, it's March 26th. Now that MLB betting guide was posted February 25th. So that guide has been out for over a month now, and hopefully you've consumed some of the information that's in there. But about a month ago, I really liked the Arizona diamondbacks. I really thought they had a good chance to go over their season win total. I did bet that one early. Shame on me for that because what we've seen here in spring training so far are a lot of negatives for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Gallon, hairline fracture in his forearm. Nobody really knows how long he'll be out. I was trying to look for an update here today when putting together the notes for the show and just simply didn't find a whole lot. You know, they said that he did it while swinging a bat, but then I also saw somebody on Twitter say that Gallen had actually lost some of his fastball velocity uh, over some of his recent starts. So, I don't really know what the whole deal is with that. Torrey Lavolo says that he'll be able to throw in a low stress environment as this thing is kind of healing, but no timetable for the return of Zach Gallen. and Luke Weaver has not pitched well here. Luke Weaver, a guy that almost always seems to have some sort of elbow issue. He's struggled throughout spring training. And again, I don't worry too much about spring training stats, but that is a guy that I would have liked to see have some measure of success. You know, coming off of what was really a lost 2020 season. Merrill Kelly, he's coming off of thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. That's a major procedure. It's when they've gotten a little bit better, a little bit more efficient with, you know, along the same lines of the efficiency with Tommy John surgery, but still something where you, know, you don't know exactly how pitchers are going to come back from that procedure. So this Arizona starting rotation, which I felt like was a big strength, now all of a sudden looks to be in peril to some degree and you exacerbate that with the fact that they signed Tyler Clippard late in the signing process right before spring training and that was a very good signing one that I liked quite a bit because the bullpen for the Diamondbacks was a concern for me they signed Joaquin Soria they signed Tyler Clippard well now Clippard has a strained shoulder and he won't throw for at least six weeks so he's out until probably June at this point in time so that really lowers the ceiling for this Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. Now, look, they've got pretty good depth on the starting side. John Duplantier, Corbin Martin, J.B. Bukoskis, Umberto Mejia. They've got some young guys that could step up in this rotation. Maybe those guys could be used in a pinch out of the bullpen. But again, it's just been all bad news, really, for the Diamondbacks here in spring training so far. So just for everybody that is picking up the guide late, and I apologize if you already bet Arizona over their season win total, it is still a low number. I do think this offense is good enough and the depth on the pitching side is good enough to get us there, but it is one that I'm not nearly as enthused about as I was about a month ago. Now, the reason why I did like the Diamondbacks along with the upside of that rotation and some of the bullpen signings that they made is that. Last year, they had a significant drop in road Woba, and Woba weighted on base average. For new listeners of the show, Woba is my favorite sabermetric stat. It's basically on base percentage, but it puts a weighted run value on the outcomes in terms of reaching base. So with on base percentage, a home run counts the same as a walk. There's no differentiation between the two, even though we know from a common sense standpoint that a home run is far more important than a walk. Well, Woba incorporates that weighted on base average to where a home run is worth more than a walk. A double is worth more than a single. So Woba, one of my favorite statistics out there, my favorite sabermetric statistic overall. But last year, the Diamondbacks, they were 28th in road Woba at 281. They were 10th in road Woba in 2019 at 322. So they saw a 40-point drop in weighted on base average on the road last year, also a 15-point drop at home. And this is effectively the same team. They added Estrubal Cabrera, but for the most part, this is really the same lineup they had in 2019 that they'll also carry over here into 2020. I think Catel Marte is better. I think Eduardo Escobar is better. I think Christian Walker is better. I'm hoping Cole Calhoun comes back quickly from his torn meniscus. But I do think that this lineup, this offense will be better. And that's what I really liked about the Diamondbacks with their season win total over. Still lean that way, but for anybody that hasn't jumped into that pool as of yet, it is something I think I have, you know, uh, lowered my expectations for the Diamondbacks based on what's happened here throughout spring training. Next up here for the five and fly in the NL West is the Colorado Rockies. And frankly, I'll be able to save some time on this one. This team is a train wreck. They're a dumpster fire. They're a shit show. They are a complete mess. Whatever negative expression you want to use about Colorado, I think it fits here. You know, they're going to lose Trevor Story. Trevor Story may get a very big offer from the Rockies, and it may be a bigger offer than what he would get in free agency with people being worried about his home road splits. But I see no reason why this cat should sign there. I mean, they do not know what they're doing. Their front office is a disaster. The ownership group is bad. They've got one of the smallest analytics departments in all of baseball. There's nothing to like about this Colorado team. And now Nolan Arenado also gone. If you want to stretch it, at least maybe from a fantasy standpoint, I guess CJ Crone is a very good fit here. He's a nice piece, a good buy low guy. He's got a great chance to put up some numbers. But, you know, Charlie Blackwood will hit, but he's not a good defender. There's just nothing to like about this team in the grand scheme of things. Individual pieces and parts maybe here and there, sure. But the thing about it is, even when Colorado hits at home, so does everybody else. You know, this Rockies lineup is really not even that optimized for playing at Coors Field. If I was running this team, I would get every flyball guy on the planet to come and hit for me at Coors Field, and I would say, you know what? We've got this big, spacious outfield. We've got this thin air where the ball carries a little bit better. I'm just trying to play gorilla ball, man. I just want I want a bunch of guys that can hit 25 plus home runs, and I want to try to outscore teams as much as I possibly can. And they don't even do that. I, I just I have no idea what the direction of this team actually is, and to have one of the smallest analytics departments in baseball. In a place where you've got this massive advantage, it blows my mind. I I, I don't understand what this team is doing. And top prospect, Brandon Rodgers, he's hurt again now. He just, he can't break through. And I don't know why. It's not like he's really blocked necessarily. He just can't break through. And maybe that's, you know, kind of indicative of, of Colorado, of their player development, of everything that they have going on here. There's nothing to really like on the pitching side. Herman Marquez is the savior of the rotation. But as we know, big home road splits. He's great on the road, bad at home, like pretty much every other Colorado Rockies pitcher. Kyle Freeland's dealing with a shoulder strain, uh, so he's not going to start on the opening day roster. John Gray, it's just, you know, one thing after another. It's just, you know, I, I, I run out of words to say. As a professional wordsmith, I run out of words to say about this Colorado team they will probably be the worst team in the National League this year or well the Pirates will be the worst but Colorado could be damn close and and I don't know where this team goes from here I don't know where they find upside I don't know how they you know reconfigure their development plans no free agents are going to want to go there it's just it's bad and and I don't know if there's an end in sight for the Colorado Rockies so their season win total I think I don't even know what it is because I don't play extremely low unders, but I don't see this team overachieving. I just, I don't see this team being better than what the projections and what the win total odds and all of that say about the Colorado Rockies. So next up, we go from the Rockies that are a mess to the Dodgers who are a picture perfect organization here. They're deep. They're talented. They finally got over that hump and won that world series last year not only are they deep and talented on the field and from an organizational standpoint, but they're deep and talented in the front office. They're deep pocketed. They can spend as much money as they want and there's no repercussion, no recourse for this team. And it's hard to say anything negative about this team. I mean, they can run out platoons. They can run out all kinds of relievers in any leverage situation and be perfectly fine with it. I mean, there are no weaknesses, for this team they're just aren't you know if somebody gets hurt next man up is you know he'd be a guy that would make a 26-man roster on another team it's just remarkable what they've been able to do here and a blank checkbook very much helps you know they can go out there and buy free agents they can go out there and buy the arbitration years of Mookie Betts you know they can do a lot of things they're, they're not hindered or shackled by anything and furthermore When you look at a guy like Andrew Friedman, you know, who came from the Rays where they had to be very creative financially to now being with the Dodgers where he can isolate a player and say, I want him. And it happens like Matt, like he's rubbing a genie lamp. It just magically appears, you know? So the Dodgers have no weaknesses whatsoever. They also have a very high season win total up over a hundred. And it's very hard to play a season win total over a hundred because you have no margin for error. When I play these season win totals, I'm looking at margin for error. I'm looking at the range of outcomes for a team, on the low end and on the high end. Is the win total closer to the high end or closer to the low end? Well, that will dictate what I do from a win total standpoint. With the Dodgers, there is no range. I mean, this team's going to win probably close to 100 games. Could they win 110 maybe? Could they win 97 or 98? Sure. You know, and and to me, I just I don't see a lot of equity in playing those extremes on the high end or the low end. So I don't have any futures positions of any kind on the Dodgers. There's no equity in playing their World Series price, even though I do think they have a very good chance of winning it. There's just no equity with this team. And there's probably going to be no day-by-day equity with this team because they're so good, because they'll be such a big favorite over virtually everybody that they play. So if there are questions... They're kind of reaches, but let's go ahead and talk about some of those here. Trevor Bauer, right? They signed Trevor Bauer, who was great last year in the short sample for the Reds, but Bauer is also a guy that has had some issues, has had some inconsistencies. And as we know, one of the big things for him last year was that he increased his spin rate. Well, now Major League Baseball cracking down on the doctoring of the baseball. Did Bauer do it legitimately? Did he just find different grips? some sort of different arm angle, you know, throwing on the side of the ball or something like that. We don't really know. What I do know is that there was an Indians game. I believe it was 2018, either 2017 or 2018, where Bauer came out in the first inning with pine tar or some sort of similar substance pitched and his spin rates were higher, higher than they were at any point in time throughout that season. So he basically, in the context of one inning, proved, that foreign substances will increase spin rate on the baseball. And now Major League Baseball, allegedly, cracking down on that. So is Bauer the only guy that, you know, is on this Dodgers roster that could be impacted? Are there others? I don't really know. One other concern I've got with the Dodgers is motivation. You know, are they invested? What will the regular season mean to them now that they finally got over the hump? I mean, this is a team that goes to the playoffs every single year, and they will do so again this year. Are they motivated in the regular season to go out there and win these games as a minus 300, minus 325, minus 350 favorite? I think it's a legitimate question to ask. You know, when they play their 19 games against the Padres, they'll be keyed in. But what about the other 150, or 143 games? Are they going to be motivated? Are they going to be focused? Are they going to be engaged? I don't know. But what I do know is this Dodgers team makes a ton of violent contact. They hit for a lot of power. They had some bad luck on batted balls last year to a degree. So there is a chance that this offense could be better, but Bellinger's coming off the shoulder injury. And also, too, they had a 14.2% strikeout percentage last year with runners in scoring position. That was easily far and away the lowest in the league. So they got very fortunate to put a lot of balls in play with men in scoring position. Does that decrease their offensive potential a little bit here? It's a possibility. But again, I mean, it's, it's just very hard to find any level of weakness with this Los Angeles Dodgers team. Next up here, the San Diego Padres and upside for days. I mean, you know, we know about the guys in the lineup, Tatis and Machado and Grisham and, you know, Hosmer looks better. Will Myers is, you know, coming around here as he's elevating the baseball some more great lineup one through eight, you know, and and of course the pitcher still hitting in the national league for God knows what reason, but Great lineup one through eight. And, you know, beyond Jake Cronenworth, they added ha Seong Kim, who came over from the KBO. A uh, short dude, but a dude that generates a lot of power, will be a very exciting, very fun super utility player for this Padres team. There's a lot to like about this offense. With one caveat, they don't have the depth that a team like the Dodgers has. A lot of their guys that are close to contributing at the major league level are on the pitching side. Adrian Morahone, who's going to be in this rotation to start because Denelson Lamont is on the IL. Uh, you've got Mackenzie Gore, who they still kept around. Those two guys are on the pitching side. On the hitting side, most of their guys have graduated to the big leagues already. So this is a team that needs to stay healthy to achieve all of its expectations, to reach that ceiling that has been placed on the Padres. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see if they are able to stay healthy. I think Kim is a guy that can fill in in a lot of different places. So he'll kind of be, um, you know, an elixir to any of their ills. But if they have cluster injuries, and we know that that's a possibility in Major League Baseball, then that is something where I would start to be a little bit concerned about this San Diego team. As I mentioned already, Denilson Lamott going to start the season on the injured list. But they've got more home. They've got Gore. They've got, you know, the additions of Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish. They'll be just fine on the starting pitching side. The bullpen, Drew Pomerantz is hurt, but they pick up Keone Kayla from the Pirates. They get Mark Melanson. Uh, Pierce Johnson was very good coming back from Japan uh, last year in the 60-game sample. Emilio Pagan is a guy I think is a big-time positive regression candidate. And I also think that once Lamont returns... I'd put Chris Paddock in the bullpen. I don't think Chris Paddock should be a starter for the Padres with all the options that they have. So Chris Paddock is a guy that could slot into this bullpen. He's got that two pitch mix with the fastball changeup, probably more effective in a bullpen capacity would add a little bit of velocity, probably create some more separation between the fastball and the changeup. So that's what I would like to see from the Padres. I don't know if it happens, but The big thing for the Padres here, you know, I talk about questioning the motivation of the Dodgers. The Padres are trying to get to that level. The Padres want to be the Dodgers. And so I think they're invested and they're engaged. And every game for them is a chance to prove themselves. So if I had to do something with these two high win totals in the West, it would be Dodgers under and Padres over. Now, I'm not going to play either one of them, because I just don't think that there's a lot of variance in where these two teams end up. And I don't think that the Padres plus 200 is a good enough price to unseat the Dodgers. If I was getting plus 250, plus 275, sure, maybe. I don't think two to one is good enough. I don't think the Padres are on the Dodgers level as of yet. And that's not to say that if the two meet in the playoffs, that the Padres can't beat them. You know, in a five or seven game series, it's very much a possibility. But over 162 games, I think the Padres are still behind the Dodgers here. The gap is much smaller than it was, but I do think that they still are behind the Dodgers a little bit. What could level the playing field is whether or not the Dodgers are engaged, as I talked about already. I do think the Padres will be. I do think the Padres' talent level is certainly deserving of the attention that they are getting. But like I said, if they run into injuries, they will be in a tougher place than a team like the Dodgers. So that's why I don't really have any futures investment one way or the other with these two teams here, but it will be great to see those 19 head-to-head meetings when they do play against each other. Last team here, and probably the most interesting of the National League West, is the San Francisco Giants. Now, this was one of the longest, I think it was the longest, of the team previews that I wrote in the 2021 MLB betting guide, because the Giants had such a fascinating 2020 season. Now, what happened was they put up a windscreen in right field. They've got this area where if you're walking past the ballpark, you can stop and look in and see what's going on. So in hopes of you know increasing social distancing and all of that, they put up a black windscreen to prohibit people from really seeing the game if they were walking by or whatever else. Well, what happened was the ball carried better at Oracle Park, due in large part to this windscreen. So apparently, according to this phenomenal article that I did link in the guide from Andrew Baggerly and Eno Saris over at The Athletic, apparently players had talked in the past about a cross breeze that kind of comes through these arches or this area in right field that knocks down the baseball when it's flying to you know center and right field. Well, with that blocked last year, offense went through the roof for the Giants and it happened to coincide with the Giants increasing their launch angle increasing their fly ball percentage so all of a sudden the Giants were this really good offense they had the second biggest increase in WRC plus weighted runs created plus since 1974 they went from 18th in 95 plus mile per hour batted balls to fifth. So that's the big sticking point for me. I don't know if this windscreen will be up. I don't know if the ball will travel to the same degree at Oracle Park that it did last year. But the offensive upgrades for this team were not solely because of that windscreen and because of the environmental changes to the ballpark. The Giants also made a lot more hard contact. So... It's very difficult for me to figure out where this offense is going to wind up being because there is a very high correlation between hard contact and positive offensive outcomes. I mean, that's just common sense. The harder you hit the ball, the more likely you are to hit doubles and home runs, to have balls get through the infield, to have balls you know, go down the lines or into the gaps, stuff like that. So the Giants made a lot more hard contact and also hit a lot more fly balls. So there is a degree of sustainability to what they did offensively last year. But on the other hand, how much of not having that windscreen up takes away from their offensive production at home because they were only seven points better in the Woba department on the road in 2020 than they were the year prior. Just about all of their offensive gains came at home. So, You know, if now you've got fans, you don't have to worry as much about distancing and all of that, is that windscreen still there? Will they keep that area blocked off? I have no idea. And I don't love the personnel on paper for this lineup, but the Giants are embracing analytics in a very big way. Not even just on the offensive side with the launch angle changes and some of their individualized hitting plans, but on the pitching side, They've increased spin rates quite a bit for a lot of their guys. And, of course, we'll see you know if that was all legit or if there were some hijinks in play, some foreign substances, things of that sort. We'll just have to wait, wait and see how it all plays out. But this is a team that's gone all in with analytics, and we've seen immediate dividends from the things that they've done. And offensively, like I said, they make these big strides. On the pitching side, they fell victim to some negative cluster luck. They allowed a 304 wobo with the bases empty, a 346 with runners in scoring position. So they didn't strand as many runners as they probably should have because their pitchers just fell on the wrong side of variance in those high leverage situations. So even though I don't love the bullpen, even though the rotation looks very iffy, some injury prone guys, some guys that I don't think have very high ceilings, this team could be a lot better then that's a half win total. I think that a lot of people will look at the Giants as more of an upside team than the Diamondbacks, and I can't really blame them for that. But personally, I'm not sure what to think of this team. I want to see all of this in practice. I want to see what happens in the month of April when they play home games. Does the ball continue to carry? Are they still making as much hard contact as they did now that they're facing... The entire league as opposed to just facing predominantly NL West pitching it's really intriguing to me and again this big increase in hard hit contact comes when you're facing teams like the Padres and the Dodgers for a third of your games and those are two phenomenal pitching staffs so the jury is out for me with the Giants but there are some really interesting and intriguing developments with this team that I think merit a lot of research and a lot of following along early on here in this 2021 baseball season. Coming up on Monday, we'll chat about the Elite Eight with Kyle Hunter, professional better and handicapper over at Huntersportspicks.com. We'll do a pretty traditional week next week on the show. But uh, with that being said, you know, uh, the week after, I'll just be doing three shows a week. It'll be time for a break for Kyle Hunter and Kiev O'Neill and Brad Powers. I'll do the betters box on Mondays and Thursdays. Brian Blessing will still join me on Tuesdays because with him, we talk golf and NASCAR and, you know, some big horse races coming up here soon as well. So next week will be the last full week of ATS radio until August rolls back around and we start looking more at football. I'll be doing some one-off shows throughout NFL draft stuff, uh, you know, season win totals for NFL and college football, all of that. But next week will be the last week that we go five days and then it will be the betters box twice a week and Brian Blessing uh, once we start here with that first full week of the month of April. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend, and I will talk to you again on Monday.